0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's over there somewhere on the other side of the membrane, uh, because she's insane in the membrane. And this is Stuff You Should Know. I think it's pretty funny that I used to love Cypress Hill. (laughs) Oh, I I downloaded their album again yeah. like the other day. Yeah, and it's it still holds up. Insane. Got no brain. I love that guy. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. his name. Actually, now that I think about, it, I don't remember the other dude's name either. I just remember their DJ was DJ Mugs, right? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I remember his name. I don't remember the other like the two MCs. No, I don't names. remember. I think they liked
0: marijuana smoke. If I remember here
1: or there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They had a song about a bong, I believe. Yeah. hits from the bong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to that now. You should listen to the album again. It's still pretty good. They, I mean, they're talking about like shooting people and everything. You're just like, come on. No, you don't do anything like that. <laughs> no, they don't. But, um, you know, there are other stuff. The other stuff they talk about, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. So I am literally going to go listen to that now. Uh, and you can talk about
1: reverse osmosis. All right. So, Chuck, you made a reference before we started um, recording that sounded really familiar to me, but is probably only going to sound familiar to like eight other people. You referenced Osmosis Jones, right? I did. And I was like, who is that? It sounds really familiar, and I cannot, for the life of me, place it. And then you said it's from our TV show. Still can't really place it, but now I kind of know what you're talking about. Actually, now I'm doubting myself. Okay. I think Osmosis Jones
0: is... uh, is a movie okay yeah
1: i think you're thinking of nash pluto
0: no no no. osmosis jones is a chris chris rock animated movie okay i got it mixed up with something our our one of our co-star actors used to say a lot which was to say jones on the end of anything that's right and i think it reminded me of osmosis jones but i have covid so i'm all over the place
1: You are all over the place, but one thing where you really nailed it, Chuck, and I'm really appreciative that you brought up osmosis, Jones, is because we're talking about osmosis today, and in particular, we're going to focus mostly on reverse osmosis, although we'll have to talk about regular osmosis as well. How does that sound?
0: Yeah, I mean, can I go ahead and talk about regular osmosis?
1: (laughs) I mean, is there any better time? I can't think of a better time. (laughs) Certainly not in our Radium Girls episode. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is basically, like, if you took chemistry in high school and you have forgotten everything about it since then, Mm -hmm. you might hear the words osmosis and reverse osmosis and be like, wait a minute. That's that's tickling my brain a little bit. I know I knew that at one point. So, just a little basic chemistry 101 is… Let's just talk about salt water. Lay it on us. <laughs> um, salt water is going to figure in, hevi- uh, I almost said heavenly, heavily here because as you'll see, reverse osmosis is a great uh, kind of modern way to sort of the hip new way to take salt from water so we can drink yeah. it.
1: Yeah, like if you, make a cup of, if you make a cup of salt water and you gargle it, you know, for your throat mm-hmm. and you have some left over, you could use reverse osmosis to convert it back into regular water. That's so right. Don't waste it.
0: And we we talked about. I know we'd done stuff on desalination. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, we
1: did. We did an episode way back in the day. Yeah. Called. Um, is it possible to drink the ocean or something like that? Uh, what exactly what happens when we run out of water? I think is what it was. No, I was way off. And then uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we talked about drinking the ocean. We also did one on manufacturing water too. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about this uh, desalinating before.
0: That's right. So, back to Chemistry 101, it's very simple. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you folks remember what a solution is, but a solution is when, and in this case, it's with salt water, you have a solvent, which is the water, mm-hmm. and then you have the solute, which is the salt or The thing sugar. you
1: dissolve in the water Yeah, or the
0: solvent. Or, or whatever else you want to, to have in there. And this whole thing together is called a solution. And if you put this solution in a YouTube, not Y-O-U-T-U-B-E dot com, Mm -hmm. but a literal beaker shaped like a tube, Mm -hmm. and you had a a semi-permeable membrane in the middle, let's just go ahead and say Gore-Tex in this case, because that's what that is. Shout out Gore-Tex. And you poured this stuff in there on one side, and then you poured regular water on the other side, That water on the other side is going to want to just balance out. It's going to want to seek thermodynamic equilibrium, and it's going to fight its way through there, through that membrane, until everything is nice and level. It's got this osmotic pressure, and it's going to push through there until it reaches that equilibrium, because that's where it wants to be. And that's osmosis.
1: Yeah, because nature is seeking equilibrium and because the 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 higher concentrated side is separated by a membrane from the lower concentrated side, it's got to make it through that membrane to even things out. And as it does, it's actually going to push the concentrated side up the beaker because it's moving into that side through the membrane. It's pretty amazing stuff, but yeah, that's I mean, that's osmosis, Chuck. Nicely done. Why don't you tackle reverse osmosis? so reverse osmosis so osmosis what you just described is a passive process it happens because the atmosphere above us has weight like air has weight and in fact if you took one square inch of a column of atmosphere of air from the surface of the earth all the way up to the exosphere the tippy top of the atmosphere that one square inch column would weigh about fourteen and three quarter pounds so, another way to put it is there's 14.75 pounds per square inch of pressure at surface level on Earth. And because of that pressure, we have that osmotic pressure. And so, the this, this stuff can kind of move from one side to the other, from lower concentration to higher concentration to balance things out. And it's all because of that. But the whole thing's a passive process. There's nothing moving this. It's not, it's not requiring energy to, to take place. Okay? With reverse osmosis, You're doing the opposite of what you just described. And it actually does take energy. You have to create more pressure that will overcome the the natural osmotic pressure. And what you're doing in that case is actually taking the solvent, in this case water, and moving it out against its natural will, against every fiber of its being, screaming at you that, no, this is wrong. This is an abhorrence against nature. Um it's moving it through that membrane to the other side to the lower concentration. So what you're doing is taking a concentrated solution and making it even more concentrated by taking out, the, the in this case, the water. So what you have on one side is salt water and then salt water concentrate. And what you have on the other side is just pure water, what they call ultra-pure water. Um, and That's basically reverse osmosis.
0: Yeah, so if you're looking to uh to make salt water not salt water, and you had a couple of tanks and on one side you had that um that solution of salt water, or let's just call it salt water. Okay. And it's under that, you know, regular uh osmotic pressure that we were talking about, it's all happy and, and well, you gotta mm-hmm. apply, I think about fifty to sixty bars of pressure. Mm-hmm. And you gotta push that thing through there and those salt molecules or too big to pass through the membrane. And it's it's really pretty easy. It's not the most... I mean, I can't go out and build one of these, but it's not the most complicated process. It's really just... No. If you think about trying to fit something too big through a small hole, it's not going to go. Everything else will. So what's left over is salt, or, you know, sort of a briny solution.
1: Right. And what you're saying is, like, using pressure to push it through, like, that's, that basically makes sense. But But when you're almost... You're not using pressure to, to push it. You're just increasing the pressure in that concentration. And then reverse osmosis happens by magic because you've overcome that natural osmotic pressure. And now, you know, to the to the solution or the salt water and the ultra pure water, you know, what's up is down. Nothing makes sense anymore. All bets are off because you've overcome that natural osmotic pressure. So it's not exactly like pushing it through a membrane, which is how my brain kept going. Um, there's like, it's, it's a little more magic than that, but the upshot of it is that that membrane you're using is so small, the pores in it are so small that only water can make it through and water, it turns out is really small. Chuck, do you want to know how small water is? Sure. Well, prepare for it. Cause I'm about to lay it on you. The average, actually it wouldn't be average. It'd be exactly the same size. The size of a water molecule is 0.27 nanometers which is 2,700 thousandths of a micron. And a micron is a millionth of a meter. So a human hair's diameter is about 70 microns. A water molecule is 2,700 thousandths of one micron. So it's really, really small, which means that if you can make a membrane that is small enough large enough for water to get through, but not much larger than that. It's going to keep a lot of other stuff from passing through that membrane as well.
0: That's right. Uh, Maybe we should take a break and we'll talk a little bit about what we've been teasing, which is desalination, right after this. All right, so if you want to, I mean, water is a, is a commodity. We've been talking about that a lot on the show for a while and, and kind of trying to bang that drum that potable drinking water, uh, it, you know, it could be a crisis in the near or far future for the world. So there have been a lot of efforts over the years uh, kind of to try and get ahead of this a little bit and the ocean is an obvious place to look because there's a lot of water out there sure so the efforts have been made since i believe about the 1950s to try and turn that that salt water into something that people can drink or at least use you know for other purposes um you know not necessarily like potable water but you know use in in industries and stuff like that
1: yeah um in, in particular, we've known how to like distill or to get water from salt water, pure water from salt water using distillation. But that uses a lot of energy where you boil the water. It takes a lot of energy to boil water and boil the salt out of water. Um, and that was kind of the first attempt. But I think in the 60s, they started to say, um, maybe we could take this osmosis thing that's happening all over the place and reverse it. And, and we could use that to get salt out of water.
0: Yeah, and they figured out how to do it, and it was going pretty well, but they didn't have a great way to do it on a large scale Mm -hmm. that made it kind of financially practical to do Mm -hmm. uh, until a couple of engineering grad students at UCLA came along. Uh, One was named Sydney Loeb, and the other was named Srinivasa Suri Rajan. Boy, I think I nailed that. Yeah, you did. Would you say it another way or no?
1: I, no, and okay. I don't have their names in front of me, but I think that you, it sounded pretty believable, Chuck.
0: You know what I do? Here's a little trick for you. Okay. And of course, this is only works if you're pronouncing the parts correctly, but I just you're do like, deal. I look
1: them up on the internet, I call <laughs> them and
0: ask them how to say their name. Well, you could. Sometimes I look on YouTube to see if they're interviewed, but um, I just spell it out dictionary style, like syllable by syllable with big spaces in between.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And then, do you make the one with the emphasis, the syllable with the emphasis, like in all caps or something like that? Sometimes, that's or my I'll, trip.
0: S- I'll scribble a underline, or you know, none of it's like uh, like real dictionary style. uh what's no, that, what that
1: called? The schwa. Just like pronunciation guys.
0: Yeah, I don't. Make, I don't even know what a
1: schwa is. It's the upside down e. Oh, that's a schwa. Yes. What's the word we were talking about the other day that I loved in Schwing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Schwing. I hate Schwing. (laughs) You hate Schwing? Oh, I I think everybody hated Schwing for a little while there. Yeah. Not a fan.
0: So, all right. So, I nailed those two names. They were grad students at UCLA, (laughs) and they were the two gentlemen who came up with this basically the first practical uh, reverse osmosis membrane using cellulose acetate. And it was the first time that they could actually use this on a large scale. And they did so. Uh this is actually more of a small scale operation but the idea was the same uh at a place in uh Coalinga California in 1965 that mm-hmm. was online for 7 years uh and worked pretty well from what I understand.
1: Yeah and at the very least it was a very good um proof of concept I guess you know and it showed that yeah with this new this new acetate membrane you know like you were saying you can get a lot more through it at a much faster pace. Um, and that's kind of what you need if you're going to ramp this up for industrial-style production. And they definitely did. That was 1965, you said it went on online? Yeah, so 72. Today is, as of 2019, there's now 177 different countries great. producing desalinated water using reverse osmosis. And in fact, there's, I think, 16,000 desalination plants in the world. By far the most are in Africa and the Middle East— but there's a total capacity now today, just since 1965, this has developed, where 100 million cubic meters of fresh water can be produced every day worldwide. That is just nuts. So, from taking seawater and, and using reverse osmosis to turn it into pure fresh water.
0: That's right. And uh, those numbers are growing and they need to, which is, which is a great thing. It, I love it when we figured out how to do something. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of sort of getting more and more of it going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, and I think from what I understand, you know, everybody's trying to figure out like um, you know, how to build on efficiencies sure. and uh, how to continue to scale up and how to use less energy and time and all that. But it's it's it seems to be one of those technologies that's roughly the same as it was when they invented it initially. And basically um, to kind of give just a little bit of detail on on how it goes it's it's you you take in seawater most reverse osmosis plants that um, uh, desalinate seawater are built pretty close to the sea because um, transportation is is a big cost. so if you can just pipe it right from the sea into your plant that saves on a lot of cost and time and energy. Um, it's ramped up using pumps and then it's run through the the reverse osmosis filters. And under pressure, that like you said, I think 60 bars of pressure. So it's pressurized so that it, it overcomes the natural osmotic pressure. And it, it is, it goes over, not through. Like I keep wanting to think of it going through, like there's a membrane in the water's way and it has to go through this membrane. That's not how it goes. It goes through a tube. And in the center of the tube is another tube um, that's wrapped in the membrane. And the, the, Concentrate the the salt keeps going, but the water that's in that concentrate, that salt, that solution um, goes through the membrane into that inner tube. And that inner tube pushes that fresh water, that that, um, reverse osmosis water, along um, into what's called the uh, production water stream. And then that salt water just continues along its way back out to the ocean under pressure in what's called the reject stream, which is not nice, but it's, you know, an accurate description. And then that's how like you would desalinate water. It is reject reject water stream, sure. Although that is the reject stream. Sure. Okay, there you go. When you have three names, I think that's more an album title. So maybe just reject stream. Yeah, I think Reject Stream is great, and we'll talk about that more later.
0: Not the band, but
1: (laughs) well, or the imaginary
0: band. We'll We'll really song by song on their debut album.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and who's playing
0: what? Uh, So reverse osmosis is not the kind of thing that you can just use for salt water. It's a great application, of course, but it can you know you're filtering something out. So you can filter out almost anything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a local water source that has way too much fluoride. You can filter out some of that fluoride in a much more efficient way than you can using uh, charcoal filtrations. Uh, we did a show on fluoride like a thousand years ago. I remember that one.
1: Yeah, I think it's this fluoride making us stupid.
0: That I feel like that was one of our like fifteen-minute episodes or something.
1: Yeah, easily at most.
0: Uh, I think some. You talked about the ultra pure water, which is the you know one side of the result. And some companies need that stuff and some industries need that stuff. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you're filtering out things just to get that ultra pure water to use uh, as an industry application. I think uh, when you're manufacturing electronics sometimes or pharmaceuticals, um, different kind of chemicals, certain medical applications. Uh, We talked about wastewater a lot, uh, the toilet to tap thing that's using reverse osmosis.
1: Right. That's one of our
0: best episodes, I think.
1: Do you think so? Wastewater treatment.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say best episode when we've been doing this for eighty years, but uh I thought it was a good one. No,
1: no, yeah, I thought it was good too. Oh, okay. I was just surprised to hear you say that. But no, yeah, I, thought I thought it was thought really it was, cool. Yeah, and toilets is is just gross, but it it it's it's sensible for sure. And the 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 point of it is is it's gross entirely in your mind, like when you raise that glass of water that used to be wastewater. It's just water after it's undergone reverse osmosis. Like, that's it. There's nothing else in it. There's not even a memory of that kind of stuff, you know? Despite what homeopaths say, there's nothing in that water except for the water. There are some things that make it through, um, what are called contaminants of emerging concern. Um, Some kinds of pharmaceuticals can actually make it through. They're small enough that they make it through with the water molecules. But for the most part, most everything else is filtered out. By reverse osmosis, um, and one of the reasons that, uh, or one of the other industries that use it, Chuck, is like the beverage industry. Yeah, because you can take tap water from anywhere, run it through a reverse osmosis filter, and move even more of it through faster because you're not having, you're not dealing with a, a briny salt solution. Like this is just tap water, and you're convert, you're basically turning it into a blank slate. So you could make like a soft drink taste the same anywhere in the world just by using the local tap water to produce it, you know, and now you have production facilities all over the world, so you don't have to transport it um, because you're able to start with reverse osmosis water.
0: Oh, yeah. They use it uh, separating whey from milk. Uh, They use it in the wine industry some now. They use it to make maple syrup. They remove that that sugary goodness from the water and the sap.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? Um, let's see, they use it for, uh, recycling. One of the other, this is a big, big deal, as we'll see, um... When you, when you produce all sorts of stuff um, through industrial processes or if you recycle things, you have to use all sorts of other chemicals. You produce, all, like, sorts of wastewater as a byproduct. And wastewater is really hard to get rid of without contaminating other water because it mixes really well. So one of the good things you can do is take wastewater, run it through reverse osmosis, and you're basically catching all of the stuff that was once mixed in with the water mm-hmm. – um, and making it into a much more disposable much closer to solid form and then also producing reverse osmosis water that you can use for all sorts of other applications as well and
0: speaking of recycling a little bit different kind of recycling mm-hmm. but some of these and you know not all of them there you know there's nothing that gets me going more than a contained system yeah and some of these are contained systems which is when you have a system that kind of feeds itself uh, we talked about these high pressure pumps that force
1: out. What did you call it again? What was the band? Uh, Reject Stream. The Reject Stream? Mm-hmm. No, stuff- not the. God help oh, right. you if you call them the Reject Stream. <laughs> just Reject Stream. That's like a Letterman misstep or something.
0: And you got a cool logo with just an R and an S that sort of are snaking around each other or something like that.
1: This is what I see. Do you know? You remember the Grateful Dead kid with the ice cream cone on his head? Sure. But Something I that. along those lines, but okay. then rather than an ice cream cone, he's got a reverse mohawk like the bad guy in Death Wish 3.
0: <laughs> See, I was thinking more like the White Snake logo.
1: <laughs> oh, no. its I don't think so, no. You just blew my mind a little bit. I'm trying to recover here by tap dancing, but I don't know, man, maybe. Not to get further down
0: this road, but I, the other day I saw that there was some big festival in Europe with all these metal bands, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And Whitesnake was playing, I was like, are those guys still playing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, let, let me go check them out and see what they sound like. Just do yourself a favor and go to YouTube and watch, like, a Whitesnake festival from, like, just, like, put in 2019, let's say.
1: Do they, do they just play all their old hits, or are they making new music?
0: Oh, well, I don't know. I can't speak to that. The The old hits are what's on YouTube. Okay. Um, it, It's not It's not great. David Coverdale. So is it
1: still okay? I'm so Day glad time. you said his name too, because I almost said David Copperfield. <laughs> it's great. He makes the stage disappear beneath his feet. <laughs> that's right. It uh, makes you forget that's the most important part.
0: Yeah it it's it's not great. It, it's uh, just just go check it
1: out. Boy, this COVID's got you trashing everything. The Radium I Girls know, man. movie, Yuck and Yums, White Snake 2019. I know. I love White Snake. <laughs>
0: You know, Tony Catane passed away. Maybe that's something to do with it. What? Yeah, she died a couple of years ago, I think. I didn't know that. Yeah, or oh. maybe even last year. It might have been Man. COVID. No. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm You're high. riffing? Yeah.
1: Are you on meds right now? No, I no. I'm, I'm high that. on okay.
0: like stuffy-headedness.
1: I gotcha. That's you know, the 100%. natural
0: high. <laughs> sure. So where was I? Oh, yeah, contained system. So they're pumping out this stuff uh, <laughs> with high pressure. And as we'll see... Uh, that can go just go out into the ocean again, and we'll talk about that more later. But mm-hmm. they can also use that that force of pumping this stuff out to mm-hmm. use it to spin a turbine, our old friend spinning a turbine, mm-hmm. and basically reusing that stuff to to make it a closed system where it's operating itself.
1: Yeah, pretty, it's pretty amazing. amazing. I get jazzed by that as well. And I just realized, Chuck, th- basically these desalination plants that are close to the ocean are basically a, a giant YouTube. And in the middle, there's that membrane. Mm-hmm. But really also in the middle is the the entire desalination plant. But it's just coming up one side and passing through the other. Actually, it's not a very good analogy now I think about it. But it's a U-shape at least. How about that?
0: Yeah. You can also get them uh, under your sink or on your countertop in your kitchen. Like It sounds like the most you know, large-scale scientific thing you could imagine. But mm-hmm. if you just go to a big box hardware store and – you look up water filtration systems. A lot of them are reverse osmosis.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're um you're gonna be hard pressed actually to find one that doesn't have that. Like one of those under sink like multi filter, multi stage yeah water filters that comes with its own faucet that you have to install. But they don't. I, I was looking. They're actually, you know, um I think they've actually come down since this article was written they're a couple years hundred back. bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. It seemed like you can get a pretty good one for about $200, 250 like basically everything you need. Yeah. And then there's also countertop versions, too, if you want to just have one on your countertop. Why not? But I say, I say we take a break. Okay? Yeah, because we, we've talked all upside. Right. There's a dark side to this. Well, not really, but, you know, there's some down, downsides or drawbacks. Nothing dark, I would say. That might be overstating it. Agreed. All right. Well, we'll be back right after this, everybody. Okay, Chuck, welcome to the dark side of reverse osmosis very nice you got compliments on your um bella lugosi oh yeah yeah it was very good i don't remember what episode that was but i don't know man, i'll alive, take it good. i'll take any compliment okay. sure same here
0: unless you're really good at not doing podcasts well
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> took you a second didn't it <laughs> it really did i think i have sympathetic covid I'm a little foggy myself. That's sweet. Well, you know, you gotta get out of that bunk bed underneath me. You might catch it. (laughs) So uh, first before we get started, I want to shout out Perth Australia, Chuck. Get this. Forty three percent of Perth's drinking water is made from desalinated seawater from reverse osmosis. They have two plants there. We probably drank some while we were there. I'll bet we did. I'll bet we did. Didn't know it. Couldn't even tell. Perth. So uh that's right. So, you know, what's funny is everyone outside of Australia got that joke because I guarantee you they didn't show that ad in Australia.
0: And they also think that Tom Brokaw runs Motel 6. That's right.
1: <laughs> so, we were talking about the dark side of, of, uh, of reverse osmosis plants or desalinating using reverse osmosis and reverse osmosis in general. There's some problems with it. For one, it's really... Well, I don't want to say it's really energy intensive. It's actually not as bad as you would think, but the more you scale up and you know where you're supplying say almost half of your your town's drinking water through reverse osmosis desalination yeah like. The energy usage scales up, so the cost can scale up, and then also so does the carbon footprint of these things because you know right. they're burning fossil fuels to run those pumps to pressurize that column of water when they send it across the reverse osmosis membrane to overcome the osmotic pressure. That's a that's a real big that's a that's a problem with it, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I would say that. Uh, another problem that we we teased earlier was the um. I guess, what do you call it, a, a harmful byproduct or just a, a waste, waste byproduct? Reject stream. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> but it is, it is a byproduct. It, basically, it's salt. It's brine. It mm-hmm. is, there's a lot of it left over, and you got to do something with it if you're not going to run it back into a closed system. And some places, they just say, all right, well, it's, it's salt water in very concentrated form, so let's just pump that back into the ocean. And I'm glad I kept reading because my first thought was like, well, sure, it's saltwater, but that can't, like, the ocean has a certain amount of salinity on purpose probably. And that that can't be great to just add a lot more. And uh, my instinct was right. It's not. Uh, I think Australian Center for uh, Water Research says things get back to normal at about 1,600 feet, 500 meters from the source. It's Mm -hmm. pretty far, um so anything within the, that sixteen hundred feet, it's it's really bad news when they're pumping that stuff back in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a fish can get out of there pretty quickly, but if you're not a fish, if you're something that crawls along on the seafloor or or plant life on the seafloor, then that's really bad and it's gonna kill off a lot of stuff in that area
1: yeah which is problematic i mean high salinity decreases the dissolved oxygen and fish and sea life need oxygen in the water so it's it is a real problem for that that life that can't move away very easily and then in addition to that too they actually introduce certain kinds of chemicals and metals into the um, the stream, the feed the feed water stream, um, to keep the membranes from fouling up, as, right. uh, as which happens really easily. You can imagine if you have a a membrane. That has pores that are just big enough to allow something that's 2,700 thousandths of a micrometer, a micron, across through. Like, all that stuff that's left behind is going to gunk up the membranes really quick. It's going to get insane in that membrane. So they take, exactly. So they take steps to keep this from fouling, from getting clogged up by adding additional stuff. Well, that additional stuff also gets pumped out into the ocean, too, which is a problem as well. There are calls for, um, uh, additional steps to be added onto that reject stream so that before it hits the ocean, it runs through like a UV light that kills off pathogens maybe, um, or the, the, maybe they need to filter out some of the stuff and reuse like the chlorine and the copper that they're introducing. Um, there are things that we could do to to make the whole thing a little more environmentally friendly for sure.
0: Yeah, for their, uh, I think the plant operators in Australia say that they're like, you're pumping it out so fast, mate. It mixes in really quick.
1: And I don't know if I buy that. I mean, it makes sense that it mixes faster than if you're just like leaking it out slowly. But I would say just spread it out
0: a lot more if you could. I mean, maybe that's not practical. And that's just like a, a dumb guy who doesn't know how it works talking. But, mm. you know, that, I would disperse it more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of could. You could, you could put like a, like a sprinkler head on the end, so it's not just one big column. it's there just kind of yeah, it's diffuse and just when I thought it was a dumb idea. no, it's a great idea we <laughs> now we need to go invent like a giant sprinkler head and patent it and use it, uh, it to the <laughs>
0: It's not just a danger for oceans too. um most of these plants obviously are near the ocean um but if there are plants that are more inland and they're storing this stuff in tanks uh you could just like you have an oil spill you could have a saline like a brine spill and that Mm -hmm. would be really really harmful to the dry land vegetation and plant life and the whole ecosystem and you know i don't think we uh we kind of walk past the fact that when you're pumping this stuff in the sea it's not just like oh some lobsters and coral dies like that's part of the ecosystem that's going to set off a chain reaction Mm -hmm. uh to everything around it as well
1: yeah um so there there are people who are trying to come up with like we were saying like more efficiencies and ways around some of these problems. One of the things I saw um, was out of the National Laboratory in Idaho um, that uses something called switchable polarity solvents. Did you mm. see that? No. Yeah. So, there's a different kind of osmosis that they're using that doesn't require um, the artificial pressure built up using pumps and all that. So, automatically, it's less energy intensive. And they add a kind of chemical called a switchable polarity solvent, which when you add it to um, the uh, solution, it actually raises the osmotic pressure itself. So, the water comes out of solution um, on its own without having to be pressed. And then that switchable polarity solvent comes with it. You hit it with some heat and it basically shocks the SPS, that chemical, out of the water. Um, And then you have, you've just got your water and then you just remove that switchable polarity solvent. So it requires far less energy, which is a big improvement for sure.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: It is. And then I saw another one that uses a double piston setup where when they, they do the, the water treatment basically in batches, where they add it to that barrel that has the hollow barrel going through it with the membrane involved, the actual reverse osmosis filter in, on an industrial scale, they add it in batches and they use a piston to push the water through. And then as the piston's moving, there's another chamber opening up behind it that's getting filled with seawater. So there's no downtime where like the piston moves to one side and then seawater fills up and then the piston moves to the other side. It's just constantly going back and forth. And on either side, there's seawater that's being treated or filling up to be treated next. So you don't have downtime. But then also the seawater that's coming in is pushing the piston the the other way too. So it requires less energy as well. Um, And I think that one's out of Purdue. So, there's some people figuring out how to make this a little better, less energy intensive, a little faster. Um, And we'll probably see a lot lot more solutions, especially as water becomes more and more precious, uh, you know, starting now, basically.
0: Yeah, they're also trying to find more uses for that brine instead of trying to put it in the ocean. They're Mm -hmm. like, you know, surely people can use brine, right? Sure. And there are some aquaculture applications in uh, commercial aquaculture. Uh, I think tilapia farms if if you like tilapia I'm not a big fan but tilapia love uh really uh, I think high high
1: salinic would that be it sure high salinic water sure i mean I, at this point it doesn't matter <laughs> all right great they like really salty water that's how i should have said sure it. salt uh, salt water
0: <laughs> and i think bream do as well so they're they're starting to ship some of that stuff there mm-hmm. and i think um sometimes it can be used to grow st- stuff like sea beets or mm-hmm. in animal feed or in biofuel but mm-hmm. i don't think it's like there's still going to be that byproduct even if they even if every tilapia farm on earth wanted this water you know this brine yeah. stuff
1: and especially the more we produce, the more brine we're going to have. Because I don't know if we said it or not. For every one liter of fresh water you produce, you've got 1.5 liters of briny water, higher salty concentration water that you're sending back out to sea to kind of mess with the salinic count. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Reject Stream's um, first album. What, what is S- it again? Salinic Count. Salinic Count, Reject Stream. Yeah. All right, so uh, Chuck, there's actually we got to finish on this one point. There's a debate, especially it seems like on Facebook, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as to just how uh, healthy reverse osmosis water is, and in a lot of ways, it, it makes sense on its face. To tell you the truth, is but it some really on Facebook? Like, that seems to be the kind of like the the kind of sites that are really. Okay touting this seem to to f- have their links promoted on Facebook a lot gotcha gotcha um, that's as diplomatic as I can okay <laughs> so um, so the idea is that reverse osmosis is all well and good for preventing pathogens viruses chemicals minerals metals from passing through and when you run water through a reverse osmosis filter, the ultra pure water you have on the other side is is great but they're, they're, the point of these the, that these people are making is that it's actually too great, it's too pure, and that humans actually need more stuff than just hydrogen and oxygen mixed together, that we need other kinds of like trace minerals in our water, and um, that reverse osmosis strips it out. so there's this, um, there's reminera- remineralization filters that you can mm-hmm. actually get for your reverse osmosis filter to where it goes through all the stages, pre-treatment, treatment, treatment, reverse osmosis. And then on the other side, the last filter is remineralization where it might add a little bit of boron, a little bit of, you know, sea salt, something like that. Um, It's got a little calcium in it. And now the water is ultra-pure but also beneficial for your metabolism's optimal function. It makes a lot of sense. I didn't see a lot of academic debate over it. It was happening more peripherally, it seemed like. So, that's, that's why I'm a little a little incredulous of the whole thing, but it makes a lot of sense, you know. I like a good mineral water. Yeah, and apparently also if you um, if you want if you have reverse osmosis at your house and you are like I can't afford a remineralization pitcher, just get yourself a little Himalayan salt mm-hmm. or a little bit of sea salt. You should have that because anyway. that's more than just salt. That contains a lot of other um, beneficial elements and, and um, metals. Alkali, earth metals and stuff. And just put a little little sprinkle in there. Yeah. And there you go. A little dabble do you. That's right. That's the second album from Reject Stream. <laughs> They're going pop. They're like Kings of Leon. They started out kind of edgy and oh, then man. the record company came kidding. to call in and they said, sign us up. I love that first King of Kings of Leon's album. And
0: then they uh they said, All right, hillbillies, go get a haircut. <laughs> yeah. And get they rich.
1: Did. They're like, Get hot. Yeah. Uh, You got anything else about Kings of Leon? Nope. Okay. Uh, Well, if you want to know more about Kings of Leon, Reject Stream, Reverse Osmosis, Desalination, any of that stuff, um, go check it out on the internet. See what happens when you search all that at once. Maybe the universe will explode. Since I said the universe will explode, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this, conveniently, an email from
1: Perth. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? full circle, man. That's synchronicity, Uh, duplicity, serendipity.
0: I'm not going to read it in my terrible Aussie accent, though.
1: I wish you would.
0: I can't do it. I'm fading. Uh, Hey, guys, big fan here from far, far away Western Australia. My husband and I spent two years traveling and exploring Australia in a ute, towing a caravan. I don't know what that is. SUV, van, truck. Uh, and in the process discovered the delights of stuff you should know. It was great for days with long outback drives. I remember our very first episode that I randomly selected when we lost our podcast virginity cave diving. Totally nuts. And we were hooked. Uh, We have since returned home to our city of uh, Perth because of COVID. Put an abrupt end to their travels. And Mm. now they listen on their daily drive to and from work. Luckily, there are so many years worth of shows for me to catch up on uh, on our travels we spent a week in the outback town of coober petty that is p-e-d-y c-o-o-b-e-r coober petty mm-hmm. where a lot of worlds uh, the world's opals come from uh, you should do an episode on opals anywho i couldn't <laughs> help but notice that you failed to mention that uh that town in the selects cave dwelling episode uh, I listened to that one recently, despite most of the town living underground and having yeah. some beautiful underground churches. Check it out on Google. Uh, there's will. another Anywho, Keep okay. up the good work. I'll keep listening. Warm wishes. Uh,
1: that is from Tamara. Well, thanks a lot, Tamara. Anywho, Appreciate that. Did Tamara spell it H-O-O or W-H-O? Uh, A-N-Y-H-O-O. Oh, yeah. There's two kinds of people in the world, and it's divided by how you spell anywho. There are three kinds. There are, <laughs> you know what the third is?
0: What? The people who don't use anywho.
1: I don't know, Chuck. I think we all have a little bit of anywho user in all of us. I think you're you know right. You what I'm saying? That brings You can together. take the person out of the anywho, but you can't take the anywho out of the person. You sure said it. Uh, well, thanks again, Tamara, and uh, shout out to Perth for a third time. Why, might as well make it a hat trick. And if you want your town to get shouted out, why don't you get in touch with us or build some massive desalination plants, one of the two. Or you a can statue try of us. F- that would help a lot, <laughs> actually. You can get in touch with us via email at stuffpodcasts at iheartradio.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite
1: shows.